So for me, Champagne and Pussy is the spirit with which I want to live my life. Sex, culture, spirituality. This is connection. This is connection to ourselves, our bodies, our lovers, our friends, our families, our communities, the earth, existence, God. This is everything. I've met so many incredible humans along my journey with magical, miraculous, painful, powerful, life-changing, life-giving stories. Champagne and Pussy is about these stories. The sex, the spirituality, the culture that weaves in and out of it all, and how it moves us. All right, so today we're going to be talking about spirit plant medicine um, with my good friend Ty, who has been working in the cannabis and mushroom industry since 2011 for a company called Compassion in Motion, and he has been spiritually exploring from from a very young age. Ty now seeks to bring beauty, strength, magic, and healing to a world in the midst of great chaos and change. I am very lucky to know Ty and to get to expand through friendship with him uh, and great conversation all the time, always learning. And if, uh, if this episode inspires you to make an order with compassion in motion, please just shout out uh, to the podcast Champagne and Pussy. Let them know that you heard about them through us and they'll throw in a little gift um, some free products tailored to the kind of experience and results that you're looking for, which is, you know, what Compassion in Motion is all about. Without further ado, here you go. My interview with Ty. First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for being here and taking the time mm-hmm. to connect and talk about spirit plant medicines with me. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. So this is my good friend, Ty, who works with Spirit Plant Medicines. And, um, you know, the first time I heard you say Spirit Plant Medicine, uh, it was like something in me lit up. I was like, ooh, I like those words. So what are Spirit Plant Medicines? Mm-hmm. Well, the first characteristic, I would say, of Spirit Plant Medicines are that they are very much emerging from nature from Mother Earth. So this can be opposed to synthetic man-made chemicals in a lab, these different various compounds and medicines that are quite artificial. Spirit plant medicines are all from the Earth. They're all as natural as can be. And with spirit plant medicines, one major characteristic of them as well is that it's going to create a significant uh, altered state of consciousness. And it works on many levels for people. Um, Physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, it's, they're very holistic in how they work. And there's been a number of different terms for spirit plant medicines throughout the years and throughout time. Some examples are psychedelics or hallucinogens. Now, I personally don't really like those terms so much because they have a little bit of historical baggage, let's say, some less than positive connotations. So a term that I particularly like is entheogens. And that term specifically points to spiritual development as being of prime importance in terms of their purposes and their uses. So I would say overall, that's what I would consider to be spirit plant medicines. And there's many, many different types that fall into that category. What are some examples? I love that, by the way. Mm -hmm. I love all the things you just said. And and it just, it sounds like 
you know, that's what medicine should be, like from the earth. It, I love that we've created so many synthetic medicines that can help with specific issues and humans are brilliant and some of those have some negative effects and, and the earth has a lot to offer us. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Um, what are some examples of spirit plant medicines? Yeah, absolutely. Well, ones that I've been working very closely with throughout the last number of years are cannabis and psilocybin cubensis mushrooms. So those have been my primary focus. But and psilocybin cubensis mushrooms is is another word for magic mushrooms, right? Mm -hmm. Shrooms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And um, there's actually different types beyond uh, cubensis. There's um, azurensis, and um, there's a number of different types. But in terms of the most commonly used, quote unquote, magic mushrooms, uh, psilocybin cubensis is the main um, family. Right. Mm -hmm. Cool. So you've been working with cannabis and mushrooms for a number of years, like over a decade, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. And um, like what brought you into it or what kind of captivated you about it? What kept you in it in this world that, like you said, has some baggage and has some like, you know, dirty politics around it too? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, you know, goes back to when I was probably about 14 years old. I was growing up in small town Ontario and uh, I was introduced to cannabis. That's many people's first introduction to spirit plant medicines. And it was, it was what it was, let's say, <laughs> you know. I had, was had it some... spiritual? <laughs> Could have been more spiritual for sure. But definitely it was, um, you know, had some buddies who would have some some bud that was wrapped up in tin foil and you know we'd get our bong out and we'd we'd uh you know chop it up and pack it in the bong and we'd take these big huge rips and hold it in for as long as we could just trying to get high yeah just trying to get as high as possible and then oh, you'd exhale this big cloud and i would get i would literally get nauseous after doing that and what I realized later was that I was actually cutting off oxygen to my 100%, brain yeah. by doing that. But the thought back then was, oh, like the longer you hold it in, you know, the more high you're going to get. And it wasn't very accessible either, yeah. right? So, oh, it, right, like because it was, yeah, yeah, it was it was very illegal back then. <laughs> and living in small town Ontario just wasn't available so much. To maximize, so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get this tiny little bud that's like squished together inside one of those little dime bag type baggies and uh you know so that's how i was introduced to it and it was it had its very beautiful and fun and hilarious moments and mm -hmm. it also had some pretty like anxiety filled challenging experiences with it as many people who have you know engaged with cannabis will probably recognize the, oh yeah there's definitely both uh, types of experiences which are quite common depending on you know your your mindset your setting your dosage your intention there's all these things which very much play uh, a big role in the type of experience you're going to have so thankfully as as time has gone on and as I've actually started working in the industry uh, I've learned a lot about how to have really good experiences with cannabis and mushrooms and just, just how to smoke properly, how to set myself up for good experience, what strains I'm selecting. And I mean, I think that's the gold right there because, because you have been working with it for so long and you are, you're someone who values quality and, and expansion and just like full life experience. So you are now using those plants and teaching people how to use those plants to have better lives and use them as medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, I think, like what a lot of people want to know more about. Mm -hmm. uh, like myself, I my first experiences with cannabis were, I mean, I was already drunk, so it didn't matter. Like right. it was always, it was going to be bad. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And it just kind of, yeah, like either made me comatose 
or like you know kind of just so chill that I wasn't even able to like function anymore right or it made me anxious and I kind of associated it with like the deadbeats of the world so I didn't even go there until I moved to Vancouver and I started seeing you know my friends who were working in law who were working in like that were engineers that were you know music producers like all of these like fully functioning like really intelligent individuals using cannabis and that socially it was so accepted my like academic mind was like okay I gotta study this stuff Mm -hmm. and now I'm here with you Mm -hmm. and I couldn't be more on board with using these plants as not only as medicine but just like you know ways to enhance our life and and strategically enjoy and and grow and relax and mm-hmm. get creative and all the beautiful things. Mm-hmm. So um, for you, how do you think uh, increased access and understanding of these plants could impact humanity? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, as I mentioned initially, spirit plant medicines are so much just a part of the natural world and of nature. And I really feel like there's a plant intelligence there that is pulling or calling us to to reconnect reconnect with the natural world with nature and with our inner selves and with our spirituality and um it's uh there's just so much magic in the natural world that we sometimes forget about especially with so many people living in urban centers and living in these high-paced, stress-filled environments and having these very challenging lives, it it quite often occurs that people feel like they, you know, where's the magic, you know, where's the, the beauty in life? And I think a lot of that gets lost. And I think that is... A big part of a lot of the illness that we're seeing today there's a lot of mental illness there's a lot of physical illness and I would say there's a lot of spiritual illness as well for sure and I believe this these spirit plant medicines you know cannabis and mushrooms but beyond that you know I've had experience with ayahuasca and DMT 5-MeO DMT uh, as well as peyote Uh, there's a lot of spirit plant medicines out there that really heal us in a very holistic way and also reconnect us to meaning and purpose and what's important in life and can really reframe our perspectives and you know we very much get caught up in this urban rat race but there's so much more to life and I feel like the plants are trying to teach us this and are trying to tell us this among other things and so you know as we reconnect with nature and we are healed through these experiences I believe we also become more conscious of nature itself and start to incorporate more practices which are beneficial to the healing of nature as well yeah for us and for the world Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's absolutely this this aspect of oneness right where we are all connected and these this is a concept that you know we hear all the time and i feel like we we know it subconsciously or on an unconscious level but to really understand it And to live it is another thing. And, you know, when you take, for example, ayahuasca or even high doses of mushrooms, you can start to have these experiences where it looks like, you know, trees are breathing, like there's there's a spirit, there's an energy there. And you look up at the clouds and they're not just these, you know, inert, fluffy white things flying around, but they're actually swirling and morphing and changing and elongating and and it looks as though they have a consciousness Mm -hmm. a a, an essence a magical essence that's much more than your regular mundane perspective of it you know you look at the ground and you see these beautiful 
grid-like patterns and kaleidoscopic sort of imagery when you close your eyes. And it just reveals, I believe, a very magical and conscious and interconnected world that we otherwise are not privy to, you'd say. For sure. So would you say that, you know, those experiences uh, are showing you more of what's actually there? Mm-hmm. And it's not just kind of in your head. Like I think some of the perception around these these uh, substances is that it's in your head. Mm-hmm. That, but what you know, time and time again, I hear people speaking about their experiences with um, with these substances and talking about how like it changed the way they see the world, the way they see themselves, the way they see the universe, and. And there's, like like you said, oneness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds super hippie, mm-hmm. and I think because it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, people come out of these experiences more, feeling more connected yeah. and changed yeah. moving forward. Absolutely. And, you know, that kind of ties into the whole term hallucinogen, which is tied into the definition of hallucination, which has the connotation of this is not real. This is something that I'm just creating in my mind or my mind is somehow creating, but it has no other basis in reality outside of myself. And I personally have a different perspective on that. I believe that even considering that we have a specific set of frequencies within the visual range that we can see and Below our visual range, there's infrared, which snakes can see. So they're perceiving things that are occurring that we can't perceive all around us in the world. And above that, there's ultraviolet. We, as humans, can't actually see things in ultraviolet. And yet, bees can actually see in ultraviolet and that helps them with their navigation, etc. There's different types of birds and mammals in the ocean which can follow magnetic lines across the earth that we don't perceive, yet that allows them to travel great distances. There's so much around us that we know and we have proof exists, yet we don't have the equipment, the biological equipment, to perceive them. You know, yeah, now we have technology and you could get your infrared goggles and things like that and and it makes it so we can see those things. But considering the concept of biological technology, we can tie spirit plant medicines into that. They're a type of biological technology which is allowing our brains to tune into different frequencies, which I very much do believe exist all around us and that we just normally don't see. And so that starts to tie in a little bit more of the, the spiritual perspective on things. And that's why, again, I, I prefer the term entheogen because by understanding there's that there's much more to this world than meets the eye or the mundane surface, we really start to realize that practicing things like spiritual development is very worthwhile. So, Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, you know, as, as you're saying all of this, I'm kind of like thinking of like, wow, okay, you know, people are having these big grand experiences uh, with these spirit plant medicines that have been around for a long time. Like my first, you mentioned peyote, ayahuasca, these are indigenous medicines. Um, They're ancient. They've been using them, well, you know, maybe less publicly nowadays, but it's been used for thousands of years for the purpose of, um, having great insight into life and purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like we have these, this history and this, these traditions of using these medicines, but they've been prohibited mm-hmm. for us, at least in the West um, for many years and kind of vilified. 
And then you've got, you know, your first experience with cannabis, my first experience with cannabis, not necessarily reflecting the, uh, the divinity or the, um, like, uh, the way we could honor those mm-hmm. medicines. Like it, our first experiences weren't really reflective of that because they were illegal substances that we didn't know how to use. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I've heard stories like I used to be terrified of mushrooms because I heard stories of people getting high and jumping off of balconies, breaking their legs or just doing really outrageous stuff. And mm-hmm. you, I go like, okay, I know that those, those both exist. And what does that come down to? Like, what's the difference between having that, you know, bad experience or that kind of like misguided experience and the beautiful medicine that can like heal your brain and and expand you to connect with existence? Like, those are two very different experiences Mm -hmm. that are both happening to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's just so much misunderstanding and misperception around spirit plant medicine and it very much comes from a lot of propaganda that we started to see in the early 1900s and there's lots of documentaries out there on this stuff so I won't get too far into it but essentially there's been a number of vested interests that realize that having various types of spirit plant medicines proliferate within their culture will be detrimental to their bottom line. Mm-hmm. And uh, They don't want the people to have the access to this thing that could be very good for them. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's so many things that can, you know, there's so many mind-expanding revelations that can come from these things and what that can do is that can make us really start to question the status quo and the way corporations are are behaving might start to become uh, unacceptable to us for yeah, example like the hippies in the 60s mm-hmm. yeah. exactly yeah as soon as people start thinking outside of the the, the hamster wheel that we tend to run on in, in these modern times, uh, people start to move away from the, the structures as is. And the thing about people who are in power and the people at the top, you know, the top 1%, etc., there is an inherent desire for those people to remain in power. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, they have to keep the population going on in in a particular path. And the thing about spirit plant medicines is that it can very much open us up to an almost infinite amount of different paths that we could also take that seem potentially much more satisfying than the ones that we're currently on. And so that risks the possibility of upsetting the status quo and people being unable to maintain power. So I think that's where a lot of it has, has really stemmed from. You see this war on drugs and, you know, you see the reefer madness videos, which were just ridiculous. And, you know, there's these stories out there that, you know, for example, an old one was cannabis kills brain cells. And when you look into where some of these studies came from, that that's um, the scientific studies, quote unquote, that apparently pointed to cannabis killing brain cells, it was monkeys in an in a laboratory that had essentially gas masks strapped to their faces, and they were pumped full of cannabis smoke. To the point, again, where they couldn't breathe, oxygen is being cut off to your brain. And, of course, and then. that kills brain cells. So when you have... It's also like animal abuse. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Which and, I feel like any stoner is against that. A hundred percent. And that's, you know, there's very, a lot of moral and ethical um, lines that are crossed with these, with these um, 
power structures which are seeking to to keep these spirit plant medicines out of you know everyday people's uh, consciousness mm -hmm. essentially and so you know in in having good experiences i think it's important to know about some of this history and know that all these sort of negative um, perspectives on it are very much um, on purpose and it gets in your head too. Mm -hmm. It kind of it can influence the way you experience something, or even just having the lack of education. Like there's no one out there mentoring you mm -hmm. on how to. Well, there is. There's compassion in motion, right? <laughs> but um, but even like with the dispensaries, you know, not a lot of those places are are there to like guide you through the experience. And you know, prior to um, prohibition. There might have been more of like a, you know, older sibling or parent or uncle situation where they would guide you through, uh, hey, this is a little intro to cannabis or, hey, here's a little bit of mushrooms to like, you know, you're old enough now, like the way that we kind of treat alcohol or at least the way, you know, Europeans treat alcohol is like, it's like in integrated into the culture mm -hmm. and so it's not abused mm -hmm. uh, or misunderstood mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and that's actually a big part of what compassion in motion is all about we wanted to really connect with people on a one-on-one -on -one basis that's been the whole uh, inspiration for our service as because it used to be that when people were sick if you think even back to hunter-gatherer days uh, or just throughout virtually almost all of human history, when people were sick or people were ill, they would have the shaman or the healer or the doctor come to them in their home with their herbs and their poultices and their prayers and their energy, and they would conduct the healing right there with, with the, uh, the patient in, in the comfort of their own home and, and take care of them. And then, you know, then the healer would go off and go to the next home and take care of the next person and they were very mobile and and that was that was so much better for people's ability to be able to uh, to heal and that's something that is lost today and a big part of that is because of the modern medical system and particularly the fact that we have a huge population with so many people who are sick these days. This, this is a, a really big issue. And so the ratio of patients to doctors is, is so huge. It's outrageous. Yeah, that, that now we have to go to them to, to be taken care of. And, you know, so traveling in the cold, dark rain, you know, when you're feeling terrible, sitting in a, a hospital waiting room with a bunch of other sick people and crying babies just to you know eventually be seen after a number of hours by a doctor for maybe 10 15 minutes and to their credit they're just busy yeah like they they're trying to hit as many people as possible to get them what they need to get them out the door back home mm -hmm. but they're overwhelmed yeah and and their their um their menu mm -hmm. <laughs> of medicines yeah. is um i would say uh, there's a whole slew of politics mm -hmm. behind what they're able to offer. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you know, what, we're, what we're seeing right now is just with the the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, it's getting more and more apparent. You see the largesse of uh, pharmaceutical corporations. You know, for example, there's a lot of information out now about Pfizer and how they're they're funding a lot of the you know mainstream media in the United States. And you, yeah. You, and this is this is common knowledge now at this point. And so, you know, with all this ability to lobby, they have the capacity to essentially almost force or bribe doctors mm -hmm. to hand out their pharmaceutical um, products. Mm -hmm. And those, again, that's the big difference between spirit plant medicines and these pharmaceutical synthetic man-made um, medicines is that the pharmaceuticals, they often have a lot of non-beneficial side effects, which is very, very negative side effects, which um, 
people will then often take other pills to mitigate to the mitigate. effects of their other, mm-hmm. the other, you know, yeah, and then it, that they're on. And then it goes on and on. And, and so you end up with these elderly folks who are on, you know, 10 to 15 different medications to deal with all of these different ailments and side effects. And the pharmaceutical industry, because it's, it's economically based and it's economically motivated, it has an incentive to keep people sick rather than heal them because mm-hmm. the more people that are constantly purchasing their pills, the, the more money that they're going to make you know, for, for the... And that's just a very unfortunate truth. It's not to say that the researchers who are developing these medicines want people to get sick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I believe that humans generally want to do good, but there's someone somewhere who's looking at the numbers and who care about the numbers. Yeah. And, you know, I've talked to lots of doctors and people who are, you know, work in the pharmaceutical industry. I studied medical ethics. This is my jam for a few years. Mm-hmm. And everybody agrees, like even in those sectors, that this is... This is a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for, for not going into like herbs or, you know, like looking into like uh, homeopathy or traditional Chinese medicine or the positive impacts of cannabis and uh, psilocybin type products is because there wasn't enough research. They didn't have enough proof. And, you know, it's easy enough to figure out why, because who's funding the research and who's, mm-hmm. you know, helping put those books together. Mm-hmm. We're at a time now where there's a lot of independent research, even coming out of major universities that are supporting uh, cannabis use for different um, illnesses or like, I think, especially anxiety, depression, glaucoma is a, bit, a famous one and pain like there's there's tons mm-hmm. um and psilocybin studies are coming out more and more as well for for tons of different things like i almost can't keep up with with all of the ailments that it's said to to help with um and i think a barrier for some people right now is is just not knowing how to utilize that mm-hmm. like i definitely see access to these substances as is huge which is great you know we're in canada cannabis is legal there's a dispenser in every corner in vancouver that's awesome but you still walk in and people you know they might be able to help you a little bit with the dosage and you know there's gummies and stuff there's all these cute products but we still don't know how to use it Mm -hmm. Uh, or we're still learning how to use it i would say exactly and that's a big part of why with Compassion in Motion, we go into people's homes and we sit down with them and we really ask them, you know, what sort of experience are you looking for? What's your lifestyle like? How do you, how would you ideally want to incorporate this into your life? Because people generally will have these ideas of the types of benefits. They want more energy. They want more focus. They want to be more creative. They want to reduce anxiety or reduce depression and enhance their moods. There's so many different reasons why various people will you want to utilize these spirit plant medicines and everyone has a very unique biochemistry so every medicine is affecting everyone differently and so it's not like a one-size-fits-all type of pill which is just kind of easy to, to hand out it's you know you have to really sit down with each person individually and figure out what's going on with them in their lives and then come up with a strategy for how to integrate it in a good way where you're setting intentions, where you're managing your dosage, where you're selecting the the right strains for what it is that you might be looking for, uh, incorporating integration practices. So after you take these medicines, how are you then taking those insights and actually incorporating them into your daily life in a way that you can continue on when you're out of that non-ordinary state and back into your everyday life how do you how do you keep that going Mm -hmm. you know how do you keep those insights fresh and so there's there's many many ways in which it can be incorporated in a good healthy way and it's not a quick and easy explanation that you can just read in some pamphlet. It's one of those things where it's best when you are able to receive that information in a a comfortable setting where you can take your time and really get clear on 
the purposes for, for these medicines. And have someone, I think, in front of you who really knows what they're talking about. Um, one of the things that I've really appreciated about Compassion in Motion is how much I've, I've learned from you guys. Um, even just like when I first started chatting with you, I, the extent of my knowledge was Indica Sativa. And my thought was, um, Sativa makes me feel not good and indica makes me feel chill and that was the extent of it and now i know more about the different uh the, the different strains and harvest times and thc um potency cbd terpenes cannabinoids like it kind of it goes on and on and all these factors will influence someone's experience based on their biochemistry mm -hmm. and i love that compassion does that teaching as they like, uh, you know, provide the right product so that the consumer can then move forward knowing, okay, my body likes these things and now I have this information and I can go out into the world, anywhere in the world and, and make more informed choices for my body, mm -hmm. um, which is, I think, really great just to empowering people. Mm -hmm. um, you exactly. know, we don't have a lot of that. In the world. Yeah, no, we don't. And that's the thing is what we're looking to do is create canisseurs. And we kind of made that term up essentially. But what it is, is it's people who are discerning in matters of quality and taste, specifically when it comes to cannabis. And currently in today's, you know, framework of um, cannabis distribution, you're getting things that, you know, the cannabis is behind the glass, you can't see it, you can't smell it, it's packaged in, in, in way too much packaging. You know, they were right. Back. That feels like ethically. Ooh, I don't mm -hmm. love throwing out all that plastic or even recycling it. No, it's still a lot of extra that's unnecessary. Yeah, exactly. And then you have you know, the, the cannabis quality, which isn't necessarily being maintained, especially when all these things are pre-packaged. So they end up drying out over time. You don't know how long they've been sitting there for. And so you're just really guessing. You're just, you know, looking at a strain name and, and hoping that it's going to work well because maybe it did for you in the past. Whereas what we do is we, we take out the buds, you can look at them and you can see them and you can smell them and you can really assess the characteristics like, oh, this bud is, is a little bit on the dry side. So I need to stick a little lemon peel in there and let it sit overnight so that the moisture will be absorbed and it'll be much smoother because when you're smoking dry herb, that heat goes right through the herb and right to the back of your throat and that's a big part of what burns. But if you have bud that's properly moisturized, it's going to be a much more smooth and pleasant experience. And also, you start to get familiar with the characteristics of the, the phenotype, so the physical characteristics. So perhaps if you like uplifting energetic highs, you can start to see that sativa strains generally look a little more fluffy, they're a little bit more conical, they're longer, they're lighter in coloration and they have sweet fruity and floral aromas whereas you know your indicas are generally denser chunkier darker in color earthy woody musky and so even though you there's a ton of different hybrids out there these days and sativa dominant hybrids and indica dominant hybrids and there's just a huge variety of strains you can start to determine just by looking at them and smelling them and touching them how what the qualities are going to be like. You can start to assess that and that is very, very beneficial for having really good experiences because you can start to, oh, I really like fluffier buds that have a, a nice citrusy aroma. That means it's high in limonene, which is that terpene, which is great for mood enhancement. And I like to like to be really happy while I'm, you know, sweeping the house and dancing around, listening to music. So I want those, you know, I want a strain like Sour Diesel, for example, or a strain like Sour Diesel, which is just fluffy and sweet and citrusy. And so, you know, you can really start to understand these things when you can see them in the comfort of your own home and, and really take your time to assess different ones and try them out and experiment. And that's what we're really about promoting to people.
I love that so much. And it makes sense. You know, you talk to anyone who works with plants, farmers, like horticulturalists, and they know they can look at a plant, they can tell so much. And we're, we're so disconnected in our world. We don't even think of that as like, a thing we should be able to do beyond maybe choosing the right mango at the grocery store. <laughs> Most of us don't have those skills. Um, but I think increasingly we're seeing a world where we're like, hey, maybe we should learn some of that. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, amazing. So um, I would like to know, just for any listeners who, you know, maybe they're, they're interested, they're curious, um, but want a little bit of advice on how, how to have a good cannabis experience because mm -hmm. there is such a range of what what could happen and obviously if they call compassion in motion they're gonna get a one-on-one -on -one, you know guidance session which is amazing but for the people just listening do you have any advice on how to have a good cannabis experience mm -hmm. well i think it very much tracks with how to have a good experience with spirit plant medicines in general and Cannabis particularly is a, I would consider it to be somewhat of an entry level spirit plant medicine. It's a good one. If someone has no experience with spirit plant medicines at all, cannabis is a good place to start, to get your feet wet, to start to understand what sort of perceptual changes you're going to um, experience as you delve further and further into the spirit plant medicine world and all that it has to offer. So cannabis is a great place to start. It's nice and light and easy in comparison to some of the um, more powerful entheogens. So, but still utilizing the sort of ceremonial and ritualistic sort of um, practices can be really helpful whether you're taking cannabis or whether you're taking ayahuasca and one of the first things is just being very clear on your intention why am I taking cannabis and part of that really comes down to it's somewhat of a meditative practice but being able to listen to one's body and really ask is cannabis going to enhance is it possible that it's going to enhance my experience at this time? And that's been an important question for me to ask. You know, sometimes I'm in a social situation and people are passing it around and I feel like, oh, I should just smoke because everybody else is smoking. But if I really sit and ask myself, I might feel that maybe I actually would prefer to be sober. So, you know, getting good at assessing one's own self I think is is very helpful for having a good experience and being clear on what your intentions are. Um, you know, when that joint is being passed around, sometimes that, you know, you're on the same level as everybody else if you take a little puff and then, you know, you can all really connect and joke and laugh and you can bring a lot of joy and creative thinking and, and energy into the experience, which can be absolutely mm -hmm. beautiful. And um, that's a big part of that is just being aware of you know the intention for wherever for why you're taking it mm -hmm. and um, being aware of things like dosage is also very important especially as you're getting into it I like that you said little puff mm -hmm. and I love that you know even you with tons of experience you always kind of say you know start small mm -hmm. and I love that yeah because I mean the truth is you can't take you can't take less mm -hmm. that's what I always tell people you can always smoke more but you can never smoke less so just start easy and I usually give people uh, an alcohol analogy because people can relate is if you're around if you're in a circle of people who are all drinking uh, who are heavy drinkers who drink you know all the time and you know they can easily drink you know a good portion of a, a 26 or a vodka for example and you know they're they're pouring drinks for everybody if you are not on that level, if your tolerance isn't as high as theirs, then to attempt to keep up with them just for, you know, a sense of um, pride or whatever it might be, uh, you're not going to have a good time. Your body's going to respond so differently. Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to be used to it, your body's going to be freaking out, and you're going to have a negative experience, most likely. Mm -hmm. and. 
So that's the same with cannabis. Sometimes you might be around people who, who smoke very regularly and very are very comfortable with smoking large quantities and they know how it affects their body and and so that's all well and good. But if that's not you, then you know, start off don't be afraid to start off with like a small puff and mm-hmm. just just feel it out because yeah, you can't take away from that high once it's there. I mean there are certain... Types. I was going to say, yeah. can you though? <laughs> yeah, there actually are. There are a few things you can do if you get a little bit too high. But the number one thing I would say is is prevention, which is just knowing that you don't have to keep up. It's it's not like a, you know, it's a beer bong drinking competition where, you know, it's about ego or anything like that. The reason that they're passing it around is because they're looking to enhance the experience and you want to as well. And the best way to do that is to find a level that's good for you and keep it there so that you can so you can really enjoy the experience with everybody. But um, yeah, there definitely are a number of ways that you can start to steer the experience once you're in it. And this is one of the tips that we give people when they get a little bit too high is that you can do things like chew a couple peppercorns. Uh, peppercorns are high in the terpene beta caryophylline and what we've started to realize in our modern study of cannabis and particularly the terpenes, which are the aromatic compounds, are that they affect the high in a number of different ways. And they, they almost have the ability to, to steer the high. So whereas you know THC and CBD are your main cannabinoids, which are like your gas and your brake, the terpenes are very much like that steering wheel. And so you can adjust the course of your high as you go. So... Because beta-caryophylline is very good for reducing cannabis-related anxiety, chewing a couple peppercorns can actually create that effect and reduce that anxiety and help you get back to a level and positive state of being. So good to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> how many people have had anxiety and even panic attacks come mm-hmm. on when they've gone too high and they get in that? you know, fear space. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so knowing you have little tools like that, um, because terpenes, it's essentially aromatherapy. And we don't necessarily seem to realize how much we're affected by things like, you know, taste and smell and terpenes, but it very much can affect our, our experience. You know, that's why people put on, you know, lavender essential oils and to relax yeah to relax and and put themselves in in that calm state and that those terpenes from that aroma are literally interacting with our biochemistries and and making changes and Mm so you know we have all these plants and all these herbs and all these essential oils there's all these fruits in our our fridge which we can utilize to change our experience so another one that i recommend is limonene which comes from lemon So you squeeze a little bit of lemon juice into a glass of water and drink that and you're taking in that limonene terpene and that has a really good mood enhancing effect which can also Mm -hmm. counteract some of the the negative thoughts that can occur uh, when people feel a little bit overstimulated by taking in too much cannabis and Mm -hmm. and feeling too high. And um, that's another part of how we educate people is that... um, Psychologically, a way to think about it is that when you get a bit too high, remembering that this too shall pass, essentially. Totally. So yeah, no know, matter what happens, like you know, it, you're not, you're not gonna, nothing really bad's gonna happen. You know, mm-hmm. I've definitely been in a headspace where I'm like, I'm gonna die. This is what imminent death feels like. (laughs) (laughs) And I was lucky enough to have a friend who was really well-versed in cannabis next to me. And I think that's a huge thing is surround yourself with people you feel safe with Mm -hmm. um, when you're new to this substance. And she said, sweetie, you're just high. And it's going to be okay and I got you. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, that's the difference between... You know, people who have smoked for a long time, I call them veterans, and then novices, people who are just getting into it, is that the veterans know that when you first take a hit of that joint, sometimes it might get a little bit too high. And that's going to last for maybe 10 minutes where you're going to feel a little bit of discomfort. But 
that's okay. I've been there, done that. And I, and I know that after that 10 minutes, it's going to mellow out mm-hmm. into a really nice, enjoyable high for the next number of hours. So, And maybe you learn that that's not your strain. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> for sure. So with that sort of thought, you can, um, you can then feel it out when you're feeling a little bit too high. And what novices will tend to do when they feel a little bit too high is they'll get into... Uh, negative thought loops mm-hmm. where they start to feel, oh, oh, my, my heart's beating too fast and, oh, I, I'm sweating and, oh, I've got too many thoughts and, oh, I, I said that stupid thing to that, that person and, oh, my boss probably doesn't like me and, oh, you know, that pain in my leg, is that something serious? You know, like, and so we can start to get into these thought loops that just uh, build upon each other and snowball and whereas like I was saying, with with more veteran smokers, rather than go down those routes, we say, oh, I'm a little bit too high. I know that this is just my mind interacting with the cannabis in a, in a way that's a little intense. So I'm just going to ride this out for a little bit. I'm going to distract myself. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to put on a show or put on some music or mm-hmm. light some candles or, you know, whatever What it can is. I change to make this experience better? Yeah, change the vibe. And, you know, that ties into the whole um, set and setting which is another part of having really good cannabis or spirit plant medicine mm-hmm. uh, experience. You know, you have your intention setting, you have your, your dosing, and then you have your set and setting, which is your environment, both inner and outer. So set refers to mindset. So when you're taking things like cannabis or mushrooms or other spirit plant medicines, if you're, if you have a lot of challenging things on your mind, like you just got in a fight with a partner or you just had a breakup or, you know, someone in someone close just passed away, these sort of things which you know are very much heavily affecting your mind and your energy, these spirit plant medicines will often have you face them and it will amplify them. And if that's not what you're looking to do at that point in time, then it's best to to wait and wait until you're in a good mindset. And wait until, yeah, wait until you're feeling good, you're excited about the experience, you know, you're, you can turn off your phone, you're not expecting some really important calls or things you got to handle. That will allow your mind to be free to, uh, to really just let go and enjoy the experience. And so having a good mindset is important and then a setting. So like you're talking about, setting is not only the environment you're in but it's the people in the environment that you're in and so having close friends with you being out in nature on a beautiful sunny day you know with some snacks and some good music and a couple joints and you know a few grams of mushrooms and things like that you can really set yourself up for a beautiful experience and we have people who are experienced as well to help guide you through it you know it's very likely that you're going to have a good experience and then you contrast that to being in a situation where you don't know anybody, it's in the middle of the night, in the middle of the city, in some party situation where you're drinking and you start, you know, things are being passed around and you start to take in, you know, these types of psychedelics, um, you're very likely not going to have a good experience in those mm-hmm. circumstances because your set and your setting aren't, aren't positive mm-hmm. and they haven't been... Uh, created with intention and sometimes you get what you're looking for like especially with mushrooms i've uh i've heard this said is like if you're looking to get fucked up you probably will if you're looking to you know microdose and have your you know do some healing work very slowly throughout your days and weeks you're probably going to get that and Mm -hmm. and if you're looking to have like a spiritual experience and you take a higher dose you're probably going to get that and that might look challenging or that might look super beautiful and it could change from day to day mm-hmm. but like it really bad intention is huge mm-hmm. so like why are you out in the middle of the city with people you don't know taking drugs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> what do you really want out of life yeah and sometimes that is that's the lesson like sometimes it's you know this is what happens when i take drugs in some sketchy situation is I feel terrible and I feel anxious and all I want to do is get out of there Mm -hmm. and be away from that and maybe sometimes that's what we need to really come to appreciate 
you know, the, the comfort and warmth of our home and our, our circle and, you know, and, you know, approaching things with, with uh, more intention. Totally. And that's not to say you can't meet beautiful strangers and have incredibly aligned experiences. Mm -hmm. I, I do that and it happens, but it is with intention that I go out and with intention that I meet people and suss out whether or not they're my people and mm -hmm. the right people to be, you know, smoking a joint with yeah. or maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, like that that intention is incredibly important. And then another important uh, aspect and probably one of the final um, parts of the whole um, having a good spirit plant medicine experience is the integration. And that's at the end of the experience, how are you then incorporating that into your life and what sort of insights are you getting? You know, I usually recommend if you can do a little bit of journaling, even if it's just a one liner of what was the sort of theme of the experience that you can look back on every so often. Maybe it's, you know, we are all one, which is a very common experience in, in some of the more powerful spirit plant medicines, really coming to that realization and experiencing that spiritual truth and you know, when we're back into our normal everyday lives, sometimes it's good to look back and, and be reminded, oh yeah, back when I was on Spirit Plant Medicines, <laughs> I recalled that we were all one. So, you know, maybe this isn't such a, uh, a situation that I really need to be uh, upset about because I'm going to look at it from a bigger perspective and we're all one. And what I do to another is what I am really doing to myself from a higher spiritual perspective. So therefore I'm going to be kind and I'm going to be patient in this situation rather than get upset and lash out. So, you know, there's ways in which we can take the lessons of spirit plant medicine and integrate them into our lives and actually have them start to improve. And that's, I think a big difference between just going on a ride in an amusement park and going on a journey of evolution spiritually. Totally. Um, I love it. And, you know, I feel like I could keep, there's more questions that I have that I imagine other people have. And I'm just going to throw it out there to anyone listening. If you have any questions, please reach out. Maybe we'll do a Q&A episode where we answer a bunch of questions um, later on. But I feel like, you know, we've got a lot of nuggets, a lot of good stuff that we've talked about. And my last question for you for today would be uh, if we're going to leave people with something um what is something of importance to you that you would want to leave the listener with around this whole topic of spirit plant medicine mm -hmm. i think like i said in the beginning it's these spirit plants are part of our planet of mother earth and these medicines are calling us to to reconnect with it to reconnect with nature and it's so important for us to make time to do that, make time for ourselves, make time for our healing, to go out and if you can do these spirit plant medicines in nature, I personally feel that that's one of the best ways. It really connects you to our natural world and it allows for a space where we can have these beautiful spiritual insights and we can get clear on our purpose. And purpose is one of the most important aspects of living a happy, joyous, fulfilled life. You know, the reasons, the reason that we're here on this planet, what we're here to do is our purpose. And many people don't know their purpose these days. Many people are, are unhappy in their in their jobs and in their lives and in their relationships. And sometimes we need to get out of that space and move into a different space where we can get a much higher perspective on what's going on and perhaps narrow in on what it is that we're really meant to be doing here on our planet. And I think a big part of it is we need to heal ourselves first. To heal ourselves first and then once we've healed ourselves then we can put that energy back into this natural beautiful world that we have that you know we're in the midst of really doing a lot of damage to right now and we're destroying it in so many ways and 
we need to heal ourselves so that we can heal the planet and together evolve in in a in a spiritual way together totally i couldn't agree more and you know if, especially if we want to continue to exist mm -hmm. yeah 100 <laughs> awesome well thank you so much for taking the time to let me pick your brain and share this super important information with people mm -hmm. my pleasure thanks a lot for doing this share thank you we appreciate you and the work that you do in the world uh, thank you so much <laughs> awesome Pussy. Hell yeah. <laughs>